0: Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today, we will unlock the book The Formula, The Universal Laws of Success. During World War I, a young German soldier named Manfred von Richthofen volunteered to join the Air Force. After a mere 24 hours of training, he was able to take his first solo flight in a brand new Albatross biplane. By modern standards, the plane was hardly suited for battles, but Manfred von Richthofen managed to shoot down six Allied planes in the following month. He would continue to gun down a total of 80 planes during his three-year flying career, surpassing any other ace pilot in World War I. Air forces normally spend a colossal budget on making their airplanes undetectable but Von Richthofen went against the grain. He painted his plane a brazen red, like blood smearing a butcher's apron. Because of that, he was nicknamed the Red Baron. The Red Baron's story survives a century later. He is the subject of scores of documentaries and more than 30 books. He is also featured in Hollywood movies, graphic novels, comic books, and one of the world's most beloved cartoons, Peanuts, alongside Snoopy. Like many others, you may think that the Red Baron's success was a result of his extraordinary aerial skills, but he was by no means the best fighter pilot of his time. René Fonck, a French pilot who struck down more than a hundred German planes, was technically more proficient and needed much less ammunition to down a plane. Fonck and his plane were never even scratched by enemy fire in missions. His tactics were far superior to von Richthofen's, but his name has largely been forgotten by time. Fonk's case is not incidental. The Montgomery bus boycott made Rosa Parks a household name, but Claudette Cole then, an African-American teenager who did the same thing long before Parks, has received much less mention in the U.S. civil rights movement. Many inventions attributed to Thomas Alva Edison were discovered by other scientists. Similarly, the Wright brothers, the inventors of the airplane, were not the first to fly. What, then, caused the vast difference in renown between these individuals, despite their indistinguishable performances? Barabasi argues that this is a collective phenomenon, your success is not about you and your performance. Instead, it is about us and how we perceive your performance. Put simply, your success is not about you. It's about us. This definition of success precedes the discussion of success-related research in the book. Next, let us delve into Barabasi's five laws of success. The first law, both networks and performance drive success. The second law, performance is bounded, but success is unbounded. The third law, previous success x fitness equals future success. The fourth law, Team success requires more than solo geniuses. The Firth Law, with persistence, success can come at any time. Barabasi's son Daniel faced a dilemma when applying to colleges, he got accepted to the University of Notre Dame and Northeastern University simultaneously. In terms of ranking, Notre Dame University was almost as good as Ivy League schools. Data showed that the average annual salary of Ivy League graduates was twice as much as graduates of other schools. On the other hand, Northeastern University, ranked 50 places behind Notre Dame, offered Daniel a tuition waiver. Which university should Daniel choose? To prepare Daniel for future success, Notre Dame seemed like a better option. In reality, though, the choice would have no absolute bearing on Daniel's future earnings. Not even going to Stanford or Harvard would make a difference. Rather, performance, ambition, and coordination skills would determine Daniel's odds of success. Naturally, we assume that prestigious schools mean better teachers and peers that would eventually produce smarter graduates, but studies have shown otherwise. Economists examined the students of Boston Latin, an elite high school in the United States. They found that the students on either side of the admissions line were indistinguishable when it came to their initial academic performance and intellectual promise. Although some were lucky enough to get into Boston Latin while others went to lower-ranked schools, these students performed equally well when tested at graduation. In other words, Boston Latin did not enhance the performance of its students. High achievers continue to excel no matter which school they attend. Prestigious schools do not make their students smarter. Instead, it is the students that make these institutions into the elite schools they are. The same goes for universities, which explains why students who rejected offers from Ivy League schools are earning as much as their Ivy League peers after graduation. In short, performance drives success, but that is only true when performance is quantifiable. Metrics like SAT scores may tell us how one does academically, but it is extremely difficult to accurately measure performances in many other fields. Take soccer as an example, we can tell how many goals and assists a player makes, but we cannot scientifically distinguish his individual performance from the rest of his team. Defenders, for example, execute hundreds of tackles, successfully foiled passes, assists, and aerial duels during game time, but they hardly leave any mark in the memories of judges. In fact, different judges can have hugely diverging opinions regarding a player's performance. That being said, what drives success when performance cannot be measured? The answer is networks. The Mona Lisa, the best-known single artwork in history was just one of many valuable paintings at the Louvre until it was stolen in broad daylight in 1911. The case became a worldwide detective mystery, spiced up with stranger-than-fiction anecdotes. Even Picasso was wrongfully arrested as an accomplice in the crime. In less than two years, the painting became the priceless treasure it is today. Open up any art history book, you'll find pages justifying the painting's reign over the art world, the subject's enigmatic smile, da Vinci's unique techniques, and the painting's energetic composition. But these values have always been there since the completion of the artwork. Why, then, did it become so much more valuable after the theft? The answer is networks. The drama that surrounded the Mona Lisa's two-year disappearance is what made the painting valuable. It is still the same painting, but its context has now changed. If you don't know much about arts, you may wonder how some paintings hanging on museum walls looking like random smears of paints can be worth millions of dollars, whereas yours, created with similar brush strokes, will likely sell for a mere $30. The truth is, since it is impossible to measure the value of arts with metrics, the context is all that matters. Marcel Duchamp's fountain is a classic example. It was nothing more than an ordinary urinal when found in a plumbing supply store but it became a valuable piece of art when displayed in Duchamp's art studio. Of course, Fountain owes its high price to Duchamp. The value of an artwork can vary tremendously when attributed to different artists. Why are the works created by masters more valuable? This is where the dirty but open secret of the art world comes in. Once you have succeeded, it's in everyone's interest to keep your success going. There is a symbiotic relationship between collectors, artists, and institutions. Artists gain prestige by having their work exhibited at esteemed galleries, whereas galleries succeed by attracting well-regarded artists. Meanwhile, galleries subsist on collectors that pay for their collections. In turn, collectors connect with artists through their personal collections, and they influence fellow collectors. If a collector pays a hefty price for a piece of art, the gallery is obliged to boost or at least maintain the value of the work in question to protect everyone's interest. To do this, galleries would bid against each other at auctions so that the final price captures their expectation. If no one is interested in buying, dropping the price is the last thing they will do. Instead, they will push the price even higher to give the public a false impression of the artwork's value. In other words, the price of a masterpiece is driven by networks. Therefore, to stay ahead of the game of success, networking is just as important as ramping up your performance. Connecting with those that are good at building networks serves as a testimony to your value. Once you stumble across success, the rest of your journey will be much lighter and easier. Above is Barabasi's first law of success. Performance drives success, but when performance can't be measured, networks drive success. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play, get your free mind snack now.